we do not attack anyone but seek to share the gentle and loving real truth of biblical Christianity with the Mormon people. Yeah, that's what they always say before they start lying about you. From Starbase Kolob to have physical relations. <laughs> From Starbase Kolob! Okay, yeah, so that- <laughs> Is is that is that kind of like so like like you like you said so like it is like the idea of a celestial body the gods inhabits real but it's not like the star base right I, I've never heard of star base Kolob, <laughs> dude at a certain point it's like really that was it you watch some documentary cartoon and we're just like all right I give him my faith like ah. <laughs> and we're just guessing like I have no idea what this guy is talking about. Like, it honestly, seems like a pastiche of different Mormon doctrines cast in the most weird light possible just to make the church look bad. It's in the context of the, of the Cold War, it's kind of funny where it's like, <laughs> like oh yeah, and they're communists. <laughs> <laughs> One would say it makes them a martyr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it kind of got more big vibes. Like this is meant for people that are Christians to make them hate Mormons. I just assumed that was like normal. I was like, oh, I guess Mormons are just polygamists. I guess they're just like, like they don't, you know, like you don't drink caffeine and you have like five lives. I thought that was just normal. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Ward Radio. I'm your host, Cardinalis, and today I'm joined by my friend, Odie, in the studio. And many people don't realize this, but in addition to hosting Ward Radio, I run with Cody, okay, a film scanning preservation and archival company. Uh, We scan everything from documentary footage to feature films. Sometimes we even do Super 8s for people's genealogical research, so on and so forth. And in that process of acquiring films, I came across a doozy, cozy, Cody. Look what I found. I found a 16 millimeter print of none other than Check this out. Oh man, if I can open it. This one's this one's this one's like really hard to get open, dude. I found a 16 millimeter print of none other than da 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 the temple of the god makers, my friend. Is this ringing a bell? Is this ringing a bell? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay. Well, the Temple of the Godmakers is actually um, a prominent anti-Mormon film from like the 70s or 80s or something like that that uh, led a lot of people away from the church. It's kind of got a uh, pretty notorious footprint in the zeitgeist of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. Okay. And um, anyway, it was a big deal for lack of a better term. Now, I've never seen it uh, myself, but... Parts of it have circulated around YouTube for a long time. This is the origin of, have you ever seen the YouTube banned Mormon cartoon? Have you ever seen that when you're going through YouTube? I think it sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay, so there's this really cringy, old school, like kind of pseudo sci-fi banned Mormon cartoon that purports to be like hidden secret knowledge of the Mormon church when in reality it's just a clip or a section from this film, The Temple of the Godmakers, okay, okay. okay. that is anti Mormon, right? And so um, oftentimes, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you end up searching for something Mormon, you will end up getting that recommended to you because I think by now, as of the recording of this video, it's got like 3.1 or 3.2 million views. All right. So it's got quite a few views and it's a, it's a pretty big deal. So I thought it'd be kind of fun for you and I to actually view the scan that you made of this film with the optical track and everything intact and we just kind of react to it and just see what you think. And as an outsider, you can ask any questions and just be like, yo, what's up? You know? All right, let's do it. Sound like fun? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Rock on. He's like, I, I don't know if this is going to be cool or not. So anyway, um, like I said, I've never seen this thing in its entirety before. This is going to be kind of fun for me. So um, here we go. Without any further ado, 
Ba-ba-da-da, the Temple of the Godmakers. I love that, dude. I miss that sound, like, before Salt Lake starts. City, Utah. <laughs> International headquarters for one of the fastest-growing religions in the world. The Mormon Church, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, presently has over 5.2 million members worldwide. Right. Is that true, Michael? This is going kind of fast. Do I have it on one and a half speed still? You might. I don't know. You know? Oh, I do. No wonder it was going pretty quick. Uh, what'd you ask? Did that the membership number back then sound about right? Uh, five or six million. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, whenever this made in the seven seventies uh, or eighties, uh, we're up to sixteen million right now. Wow. So I'm curious to see. You know, I got to tell you, I have learned a lot about dealing with anti Mormons over the years, and I'm just gonna make a couple predictions before we start here. Mm-hmm. Okay. They always recycle old lies, <laughs> you know, like literally there was a ton of Protestant and evangelical just lies and smears that came out in the 1830s that literally have persisted to this day in the zeitgeist. And I'm curious to see how many of them are uh, represented here. There's also just like a lot of just straw men. And I would like to give grace to these people and think there might be misconceptions. But um, yeah, everybody always has an action grind whenever they're talking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So let's see what they have to say in real time. Within the next 50 years, the church expects to have more than 70 million members. Whoa. Sped it up. I sped it up on accident. Here we go. Okay. Hey, you just cut the ears. The Mormon church was organized in 1830 by a man named Joseph Smith, who claimed that, as a 14-year-old boy, he had actually been visited by extraterrestrial beings ah! that commanded him to establish the only true church. Shortly well, so like, after what Joseph is, Smith, what is did. the so that was their wait, wait, interpretation? Wait, wait. What is the other? What is the more charitable interpretation? Well, I guess my guess is, <laughs> is somebody just. I guess that I'm not like I don't like follow any faith or anything, but just from I'm guessing in the context of the Mormon faith, those are just like angels or something, right? Not aliens. Y- yes, exactly. Okay. Well, like, some other, I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe there's aliens. I, I just it feels more like. Like angels visit people in the Bible, kind of like that, right? Th- this That's is kind of like, what it seems like. But I don't know. I mean, I, it, I could, I don't know. I guess I could believe it, aliens. But <laughs> okay. So I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, you'd like to not think that these people are trying to purposely misrepresent you as weird and insane, but extraterrestrials. That's a very strange way of describing an angel. I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to say, you could also call them supernatural. But you could call God supernatural. I don't know. I'd hate to think they were just trying to use this term in a pejorative function. But yeah, to date, I've been a member of the church my entire life. And I've never heard of angels ostensibly represented as um, extraterrestrial visitors. Maybe angelic visitors. Divine visitors. Godly visitors. Technically, it's correct, right? I mean, angels are... From not the 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 Earth, right? They're not from yeah. the, the, the extraterrestrial, I guess, so to speak. And it's just, I guess, it is it is kind of like a funny way of framing it. I don't know. I, don't know, I guess you, yeah. you, you got to give it to them a little bit, right? For like really, really finding every every opportunity to get a little dig in. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess, man. So here, let's see how they keep going. So we were not like ten seconds in before there's something off. Death in 1844, Brigham Young, the second prophet of this newly formed church led a pilgrimage of devout Mormons across the American plains, eventually settling in the Great Salt Lake Valley, now the center of the state of Utah. Okay, um, my only real issue with this so far is, I don't know if I'd exactly call it a pilgrimage. Uh, Their representation of Joseph Smith just, you know, oh, oh, he was casually shot. 
No, it, it was more than that. We had absolutely cruel and horrible and heinous persecution that drove us west uh, because the mob in conjunction with the U.S. Army in conjunction with um, everybody else that didn't like the fact that the Mormon church was growing in droves and Nauvoo was becoming uh, a, a city that rivaled Chicago in Illinois within a function of less than a decade um, that couldn't handle it uh, really took up uh, very violent arms against the church. So I don't know if I'd exactly call it a pilgrimage, <laughs> maybe more of an escape from persecution. Um, I always kind of like laugh when like Protestants and evangelicals want to come after the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not realizing like you guys slaughtering us was the reason we had to leave. <laughs> you know, like maybe if you wouldn't have slaughtered us, we wouldn't be in the Salt Lake Valley now. Right. So anyway, let's keep going. Valley, now the center of the state of Utah. Today, Mormons account for more than 70 percent of Utah's population. It's probably true. Much of the early growth can be attributed to the practice of polygamy among various early church leaders and members. For example, a Mormon man and his many wives could have upwards of 50 children, all of whom would be raised Mormon. Okay. Now, th that's, that's, I wouldn't exactly say that claim is accurate. If you actually look at the data, the average child per woman ratio was actually kind of preserved throughout the short and brief period of time that polygamy was actually approved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But the, the truth is uh, the practical function of survivorship to me, I'm not a scholar on polygamy. I would refer people to uh, Brian Hells and Don Proud. Wait, so when was it? So like, so it's like officially like off the books. Like polygamy is not like, on, like. Yeah, there's even been official declarations. But about I wonder, this. like, like when? When did that happen? Uh, in the, in the earliest days of the church, we're talking. Uh, the most famous one is Brigham Young. Okay, you know he's the 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 the, the person we named Brigham Young University after afterwards, right? I think he had like twenty or thirty wives, and there was a brief period of time, I, I believe, like about fifty or sixty years, um, in church history, where the church, if you were a responsible and worthy adult male, all right, they, they would actually assign you to take additional wives, and everybody in the nor'eastern newspapers represented this as some kind of, uh, you know, one of the relics of barbarism, and it was like some kind of sheik with his fifty con concubines, like King Solomon with all of his seventeen to 21 year old ladies in his harem when in reality uh, if a woman's husband died trying to make the trek west or things like that you really needed somebody to take care of you and only the most responsible and worthy would be assigned to these people and yes sometimes uh, those that could afford it honestly would end up having quite a few and it's kind of wild but the fact that Brigham Young preserved our church and these people survived despite all of uh, the, the famine, the, the slaughter, the attacks, and so on and so forth, um, I think is one of the biggest miracles of the 19th, I mean, of the 19th century. Yeah, and I, so I've kind of always looked back at polygamy as like, well, we survived. Yeah, <laughs> but know? I mean, like you said, like, I'm just curious, when was like the official like end date? When did they say like no more? Dude, that's a really good question. It, um, I, I think it's curious that even in this like 1970s kind of like anti-Mormon piece, they even conceded like, well, like, they don't do it anymore. I mean, it was like they did yeah. this in the past. I thought that was kind of interesting. Cause you fig I figured they would have just, because I have to be honest, I mean, before I met you, you're like the first Mormon person I ever met. Yeah. I just assumed that was like normal. I was like, oh, I guess Mormons are just polygamists. I guess they're just like, like they don't, you know, like you don't drink caffeine and you have like five wives. I thought that was yeah. just normal. <laughs> 
So I think it's funny to see him like even back in the seventies, they're like, oh, they don't do that anymore. But e- uh, even the anti-Mormon propaganda back then of being like, oh, they off the kind of not official anymore. I don't know. That that stuck, man. I think it's funny. Back then they didn't even push that hard on it, but it stuck yeah. to now. Like to now people like just assume, oh, you guys have like 30 wives. Well, it's so salacious. It's the thing that always gets stuck. In fact, I remember it was the number one thing in Steve Young's video when people came to visit Salt Lake City for the Olympics in two thousand, uh two thousand one. I can't remember the exact year. Uh, the church made a video um, that Steve Young narrated. That was like the first like thing that he wanted to debunk about uh, misconceptions about the church. So anyway, I just pulled it up and it looks like officially here. OK, the church discontinued um, polygamy in 1890 is the exact specific date. OK, so uh, in 1890, it was discontinued. So sometime around ish 1850, 1890. What is that? A 40 some odd years. So, um, yeah, there's about a 40 year period. 1890? Yeah, 1890, bro. That is, okay, I I don't mean this like in a rude way. I'm not trying to offend anyone. (laughs) But that is hilarious. 1890, like officially proclamation, no more. 2023, you ask people what you know about Mormons and the average person off the street, like, oh, they're polygamists. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like a century later, that's still like the, I guess, I don't know, man. Some things like they're salacious or whatever. They just stick and people are like, that's all I remember. I'm telling you, in my top 30 rules of anti-Mormonism, one of the number one things I notice is they recycle old lies and let me tell you uh if we stopped in 1890 and you still represent us as polygamists like that is absolutely nuts right yeah. well no, I mean, i'm assuming right like you said like as far as you know the church can't control everyone's life everywhere on the frontier but yeah like officially yeah. being against the practice for over a century and still having it be the one thing you'll never live down is pretty yeah. fun. i guess that's everyone though right? everyone has like that one thing that happened in high school it's just yeah that's you now yeah, dude. So, um, all right, cool. Here we go. Let's keep going and let's see what uh, let's see what the Godmakers have to say. Oh, it's pretty birds. Velma Gear is an active ex-Mormon and author of the book Mormonism, Mama and Me. Huh. She is the great granddaughter of convicted Mormon assassin John D. Lee. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. no wonder. No wonder. Well, who is She's- that? Okay, uh, John D. Lee. Um, again, this is not my expertise, but I am aware they're referencing an incident called the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Okay, and um, how do you truncate this? Basically, in a nutshell, um, it was a very vulnerable time for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. They actually had to leave uh, America and head to the to the territories west outside of the borders of the United States of America, right? And they'd endured literally decades and decades of brutal um, uh, persecution, right? There had been the Hans Mill Massacre recently. Uh, I believe his name was Parley Pratt, one of the founding fathers of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, had just been assassinated in the South. And the people that were bragging about it, I do believe the gang's name was just like there was Billy the Kid and then there was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and there were like these these gangs that formed um, like in Tombstone, the guys that had the red sashes and stuff. The Cowboys? Yeah, the Cowboys. Uh, apparently the gang that was bragging about having killed Parley Pratt, I believe was called the Missouri Wildcats. And there was a specific, I hope I didn't just mix up somebody else's well, Without getting too deep team. into everything, just like this one okay. guy, is, was he in a There was, was a wagon train. Assassin, though? Uh, well, there was a wagon train of pioneers that weren't members of the church going west. It was rumored that among them there was the Missouri Wildcats. Uh, but sometimes wagon trains would say we've got gangs with us in order to ward off thieves. Oh, so it looks like that might have been misinformation. But a, a large group of Mormon men 
uh, attacked and, and 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 brutally massacred. Like I, I don't want to guess the number incorrectly, but I think it was like at least fifty to a hundred people or something like that. It was pretty bad, and. Um, so they mean assassin like in that context, like a killer? Well, a what killer. happened was a lot of anti-Mormons try and peg that on Brigham Young saying he knew everything that happened to the West. So he authorized the kill when in reality, if you do the kind of forensics of it, it looks like the the local uh, members of the church um, acting out of fear in a very negative, obviously negative way, um, kind of did a vigilante massacre. And it's called the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And they, it got pegged on John D. Lee who um, is the guy that ended up taking the blame for it. And Brigham Young actually sentenced him to death, I think, as the governor of the Utah Territory. And he was forced to dig his own grave. And there's a picture of him standing like on his coffin or next to the shovel where he just dug his own grave before they shot him into it and then and then buried him alive. Yeah, it's it, not buried him alive, but buried him. Okay, but like so he, shot he wasn't like a church assassin though. Like he wasn't like a contract. Oh, no, no. It wasn't okay. like his his official calling. Like okay, you no. know how I teach Sunday school? He yeah. wasn't like, you know, I'm the ward Sunday school teacher. He wasn't like the ward assassin. Yeah, that's to me. I thought he was like yeah. a hitman or something. I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, that's interesting." I didn't no. know they had Mormon hitman. Okay. Yeah, but that's that's a pretty cool uh pretty cool movie script idea. So yeah, well, it looks like his granddaughter or something. Um, who, yeah, she's probably pissed. It's a controversial thing. Like I, I, I give credit where credit is due and, um, the Mount Meadows massacre is an embarrassing stain on Mormon history. Um, so it's like, okay, I can see why, um, this person's pissed, <laughs> you know? So anyway, let's keep going. Yes, was my great grandfather, John D. Lee, who had 19 wives and 64 children. He married a widow lady and her four daughters. Okay. One of those daughters became my great grandmother. But again, a widow lady with four daughters, you know, that's that's kind of how it was. Oftentimes people would be assigned to these husbands in air quotes, right? In order to also be taken care of. John D. Lee has over five thousand descendants, majority of whom are Mormon. All right. Today the growth continues. Hmm. Financially, the Mormon Church is one of America's wealthiest corporations, yielding an estimated $4 million per day from its business empire. Wow. So is that a, is that a Mormon business benefit? Is it beneficial life or benefit life? I only, I only Wait, know what? that because they've sponsored a, uh, there's a, uh, some sports arena somewhere is like the benefit life arena, or like beneficial life arena. Dude, I don't know. Let me watch that again. It's just because he, he name dropped you guys. And then cause I know Deseret, that's all Mormon stuff, right? Yeah, dude, yeah. exactly. Okay, so uh okay. Financially, the Mormon Church is one of America's wealthiest corporations, yielding an estimated four million dollars per day from its business empire. Yeah, make it a trillion a beneficial life. Is that like a Mormon business? Like are there like they said the Mormon oh. business empire, but are there like like actual like companies that like they're not like necessarily like, you know, like Mormon life insurance, but yeah. it's like that's kind of what it is, is like so beneficial life was bailed out when the government was bailing out a bunch of companies. And in 2008, there was that big crash. Okay. The church actually did bail out beneficial life and it's a separate entity from the church and everything, but it provides a lot of life insurance for everything from church employees to different charities that the church does and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's separate from the church. Um, but I know the church bailed them out. It was like, I mean, we had a church bailing out companies instead of taxpayers and the government, right? And then people found a way to complain about it. I don't know how, but welcome to Mormonism in 2023, right? There was literally just a scandal about this. 
um, on 60 Minutes only like two or three months ago. So um, anyway, Beneficial Life. Yeah, it's it's a tr- uh, it's a, a life insurance company based out of Utah that's tangentially related to some of the programs of the church. And um, again, I mean, I'm not an accountant that balances their books, but I do know that, yeah, somehow a scandal about Beneficial Life developed. It was pretty funny. So let's keep going here. Vast tax-exempt property holdings abound in all 50 American states. (laughs) Look with the hate in his heart that he said, vast tax-exempt. Yeah, like every other church in North America, along with the Boy Scouts of America and all that other stuff. Let's keep going. Throughout Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and South America. Hundreds of millions of dollars are brought into the church each year through its mandatory tithing program. That requires large portions of its members' income. Well, okay, so hold on. Let's. I don't want to keep interrupting this too much, but it's like, well, it's called tithing, and it's in the Bible. And, you know, like I, I just. How much is large portions? Also, that's what they say. What is that like? Tithing, but no, but like I understand that, but like ten percent. Oh, okay. You know, I like I. I, I guess, does that qualify as a large portion? Like I, I guess yeah, one you know, tenth. But, <laughs> like one tenth. I wish the government would view that as just a large portion, but yeah, that's pretty funny. And then I like how they're like, oh, they're all over the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, almost like the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. What is the prophecy. federal income tax rate? 54.3 in California. Well, I'd be federal, but that's that's hilarious. That yeah. I, I guess the other thing, I never really thought of it that way. Now, I guess like, yeah, I don't want to get too far, but it's kind of funny to think about that way, right? When you think about like taxes, it's like, oh yeah. man, people pay 10% of their of their income to the church? That's insane. And it's like, yeah, what about the other 50 yeah. going to the government? Like, is it, I, I just, I, I had never really thought of it in that context before. And it is kind of funny, I guess, in that context. Yeah, that exactly. So here we go. Mormon meeting houses, which are used for Sunday services and social functions, are being built at the rate of two per day around the world. What? These different yeah, is that legit? I, two per day... That seems robust. I mean, uh, we're 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 blowing up and we're growing, especially in Africa and stuff. But even in the modern day, two per day that seems maybe two per week. I would believe. I mean, but you know, you break it down. I guess sixty a month globally. Hmm. Yeah, but lot. but one chapel holds four units. Like or four wards. I don't know. I think so that you must think be... they were trying to fear monger like all oh, these Mormons. They're like they're like they're like bunnies. They're just gonna yeah. like take over. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, that is like that is like it. That would be ludicrous growth to sustain. <laughs> yeah, but, but it may. And I don't think volunteer labor would be enough to pull that off. But who knows? Maybe it was booming back then. Like who knows? Maybe Utahns were having a bunch of babies, and these guys got their stats right. I can't speak to that one. But that seems that seems like an overstatement. And I've never heard anybody claim they're doing two per day. What's interesting is there was a time when Elder Holland, who's a prominent um, elder of ours, said like, "Oh, we're creating like." Two stakes every uh, month or week or something. And, and people think that he meant to say two wards every month instead of stakes. And they tried to say that he's a big fat liar and call him out and say, our leaders can't be trusted and everything like that. When it's like, wow, he had an old man misspeak once like, oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, so here we go. The function, however, from the few Mormon temples that exist. Ooh, Only the bizarre secret ceremonies are practiced inside. <laughs> and are reserved for an elite group of the most dedicated and self-sacrificing Mormons. An elite group of the most dedicated of self-sacrificing Mormons. Dude, that's... You're looking at one of them, Cody. I'm an elite. I'm an elite group, dog. 
Ed Decker spent 19 years in the Mormon church. He is a former elder and Temple Mormon who is now the director of Saints Alive and ex-Mormons for Jesus. He is also co-author of the best-selling book, The Godmakers. As Mormons, we called ourselves true Christians, although we really felt superior to those of the rest of Christianity because we had so many written supplements to the Bible. We had a living prophet and so much more revealed information. But when I was a Mormon, I believed, as did my LDS friends and our leaders, that the so-called Christian church was really the whore of Babylon, and the temple ritual taught us that the Christian churches were led by those who were in the employ of Satan. This film is, that real? is an honest response to their charge. Um, okay, so to me that's at best a misrepresentation. The church is very vocal. You asked, is that real? Yeah. Uh, again, it's like I'm not a missionary for the God makers, so I'm not trying to say what he meant. I, I was a missionary for our church, so I know what we meant. Well, I guess, hold on, just like from my perspective, is there like legit like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some like animosity and beef amongst like various Christian sects as far as like. Well, when he does say like Mormons, Mormons believe they're better than other Christians. Like, well, yeah, first Presbyterians think they're better than Catholics. Lutherans think they're better well, than no, Methodists. Like, I, I, what? It's like, I get everybody that. thinks they're better. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. they're, they're, like, taking shots directly. Like, oh, we, you know, those other... There was a phrase that some people, when you misconstrue it, have become very rancorous about. In relating the first vision, Joseph Smith said that God the Father and Jesus Christ, when he was worried about what church should I join, as a 14-year-old boy, I mean, as a young man, um, he, he was religiously inclined and, and, and was worried about his salvation. There was a fervor in town about um, all the different churches you should join. So he'd investigated a bunch of them, unable to figure out which one he wanted to land on. He prays about it, asks God, what church should I join? Has a first vision where God, the Father and Jesus Christ appear to him and uh, tell him that he shouldn't join any church. He's actually called to start um, the the restored church in, in, in modern times. And he said, um, specifically quoting Isaiah, that they, the other, uh, um, the other churches, the other sects draw near to me their lips, but their hearts are far from me and their creeds are an abomination. Now, a lot of people say like, oh, you're saying that if you're Christian, that you're bad and that we're an abomination. No, no. The creeds, he's actually specifically referencing like the Nicene creed, like <laughs> the, the, the Athanasian creed, you know, right. these concepts of sola scriptura and things like that have be- that have become stumbling blocks for people's faith and actually developing a closer relationship with God and instead a closer relationship with the dogma of their faith. And so um, sometimes that gets misused a lot by evangelicals and taken out of context. So I think maybe that's what this guy is referencing here, but we do not at all go around and say like, oh, we're better than you because we got extra scriptures in our book bags. Come and read with us and then you'll be part of the cool kids club. We're actually on the record of saying that we um, adore uh, many of these other faiths. We do not have a monopoly on truth and we want you to, yes, come and take what you already have. and Let's see if we can improve upon it, which is a completely different attitude than what getting represented here. But yeah, let's keep going. Yes. We do not attack anyone, but seek to share the gentle and loving, real truth of biblical Christianity with the Mormon people. Yeah, that's what they always say before they start lying about you. So, like, I'm sorry. It's the only time where I get salty at my evangelical and my other Christian buddies is I've never met somebody that was lying about my faith that didn't say, they're, oh, we're doing it for loving reasons first. So here we go. Because of the vast difference between Mormonism and biblical Christianity, we've produced a piece of animation to show you 
what Mormon theology is, Here it is. all about. <laughs> yeah! Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human right, like so us. Like, is that... They say that is long that ago on one... Okay, wait, wait, sorry. I, I couldn't stop it for a second there. What'd you ask? Is, is, that, is that legit that like Mormons believe in like... I don't say believe in planets. That sounds dumb. But yeah. there's like a greater yeah, like we're on one. there's like a greater like celestial like sphere kind of. So like the that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's go back and see exactly what he said so I can respond to it. Hold on. Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. Yeah. See that is that is that like the legit kind of like they say okay. origins? Trillions of planets ruled by an elite group of god. Yeah. I've. Uh, dude, <laughs> the short answer is no. I know what they're getting at. And evangelicals have been doing this for a hundred years. Mormons believe in a concept called eternal progression. Okay. That the idea that, uh, uh we cannot understand the eternities, but ideally a loving father in heaven will want us to progress both spiritually and physically and so on and so forth. And just as we progress and progress in this life, we will progress in the next. Right. And if you're dealing with the eternities, and the concept of eternal progression, the concept of what can we become, apotheosis, is kind of this open-ended, fun thing to surmise, right? And so there are some apocryphal stories of early leaders of the church and things like that that have wondered, what does eternal progression mean, right? Well, we do know that our loving Father in heaven wants us to become like him. He loves us just like I am a good father and I want my son to hopefully learn all the lessons that I have learned to become a good, functional adult that can end up having his own children and, and, and progress into a happy adulthood with a, a wife of his own and so on and so forth. We do believe that we will progress throughout the eternities. Now, what that exactly looks like, there's no official doctrine. There's been some people that have surmised it. And there was like a prophet in like the 1800s that said, I bet you if God created this world, you know what I'm saying, that we'll be able to create our create our own worlds and so on and so forth. And people try and hold that up as though we walk around teaching that if you come to church, you're going to be able to populate trillions of planets. Well, so like there, there isn't any like stargazing then and like like looking up at like the different. Like, that's what I mean. Like I legitimately no. know nothing. Like I wouldn't be like if you would be like, oh, no. Yeah. Like there's like this planet that's in the book. I'd be like, All right, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But is that like not a thing? Now, this idea that Mormons get their own planet, which is this thing that has existed in the evangelical zeitgeist for, I swear, 150 years, it's just it's just plain old not true. Get your own planet like it's some kind of like multi-level marketing sales pitch. Like, hey, Cody, when you come to church, we just did a whole live stream about you coming to church for the first time with us. Mm -hmm. And did we ever pitch you your own planet? Well, I, I got to get in the doors first, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, it's a cruel pejorative that is um, no different than when atheists say like, oh, well, you believe in a sky daddy because he's your father in heaven right so he's your daddy and you think that heaven is in the sky right so you believe in not you don't believe in jesus you okay, believe in no, a okay. sky daddy i get it i, get that. I was just curious because that is i mean the 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 kind of again i'm not like super religious on all the time but i do i do feel like kind of like a like celestial cosmic thing doesn't really show up a lot in most backgrounds and most faiths right like well, literal we, space like outer space not like you know like heavens or anything but like the milky way kind of stuff yeah. right? like that doesn't really <laughs> Right? Am I, am I wrong? Or is that something that does show up more in, in like text and stuff and I'm just not that well versed in it? Well, what's super cool is we have a lot of additional knowledge, especially in like the Book of Abraham, the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrine and Covenants about the nature of God and the eternities. Like through the revelatory process of Joseph Smith, we are given additional details that are beautiful 
as to what happens after we die. A lot of other faiths, like if you go ask your average Protestant and say, okay, well, what actually happens when we die? There's vagaries about, well, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell and so on and so forth. But when asked to describe what that is like, they usually give you a blank stare or say that, oh, well, that's not biblical or else, oh, we just don't know or else uh, pat you on the head and say, don't worry about it, kid. You're Go be a good boy. Um, but when we have deeper answers in our faith, uh, some people really reject that and try and turn it into some kind of weird pseudo sci-fi thing that it's not, which I think is what's going on here because that's, what's been going on for 150 years. So um, yeah, we'll just let it keep playing. This is the cartoon. This is awesome. Say that long ago on one of these planets to an unidentified God and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. Okay, I've never heard anything about, like, I guess it's the tomb of the unknown soldier. I, well, apparently okay, it's the birth yeah, that, of the unknown god. That stuck like, out to me, too. I'm like, that. I, I would imagine if there was a religion and their god figure was born to parents, the identity of them would be, like, crucial, right? Uh, yeah. It I, feels like, but is that a thing? Is that kind of like, do the Mormons kind look, of say, like, far enough back we don't actually know? Well, I was going to say, again, to me, this is just some kind of weird attack perversion straw man. It's just, I would like to think, again, I'm not a missionary for Ed Decker or the Godmaker, so I don't know what he was trying to say. I, I would think that this is just a perversion of the idea of eternal progression, that if we believe that we can progress... And after this life, there's eternal progression that way. If you believe in the eternities, I, I guess you would kind of have to logically conclude that we could be in a stage of somebody else's eternal progression, you know, and d did God have parents? I guess you could ask that and so on and so forth. But is the, is the other but there's no official doctrine about like God's unnamed mother, <laughs> you okay, know, I thought that was kind of. And the bassinet Weird. she laid him in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, beyond that, so. but, but then so like, okay, never mind. I guess you answered my question. I figured just you know the 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 father of God would probably be an identity worth tracking down, right? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe it could be an open into question too. Yeah. So here, let's check it out. This spirit child was later born to human parents who gave him a physical body. Is that legit? Well, we get gain a physical body when we come to Earth, right? Yeah, but like like the, like like a like a second birth kind of thing. Is that kind of like? I mean, I, I honestly it's see. Kind I of don't know what they're saying right here because if they're trying to say that Elohim was birth, I I don't I don't ha there's no Mormon scripture like they don't that mention like about, the spirit being created first and the spirit like inhabiting a body later. That's not like a okay. Thing. Well, we we do believe that. I mean, the, there was the pre-existence, right? When you read the book of Le Revelation in the Bible, it talks about you know the great dragon, which is representative of Satan, misled one third of the hosts of heaven mm -hmm. after the great council in the heavens, and so on and so forth. Like th this is a very popular Christian story that doesn't exist just within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Okay. And it tells the story of, you know, uh, basically how we come to earth, we gain a body, you know what I'm saying? And then we, we lose that body when we die and the spirit continues and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, where Elohim was birthed, the, I am uncomplete. I'm completely unaware of any kind of Mormon doctrine. The on idea that, that that is like the God figure though, that's 
legit at least? Are they? Are they? And is that is that? Well, Elohim is the name of. See, what's interesting is is we've gotten we've gotten to know and get some cool names out of like you know Dead Sea Scrolls and modern archaeology and so on and so forth. Uh, scholars now recognize that, and you see this in the Chosen, that God was referenced as Adonai most likely during the uh, uh, the turn of the millennia. We also know that, uh, as you saw with Indiana Jones, that Yahweh or Jehovah, okay, was how uh, the Jesus Christ aspect of the Trinity was referenced. And then that God the Father, in when you're translating um, a lot of the old scripts, like God the Father would be Elohim, uh, Shesha would be okay, Jesus, but- and the Holy Spirit would be the Holy Spirit. And they carry different names, okay? But, like, I, I, this is not in... This is, like high concept academic crap that is very <laughs> intra-denominational and, and we're just guessing like i have no idea what this guy is talking about okay like that's what i mean because like, it honestly, seems like a pastiche of different mormon doctrines cast in the most weird light possible just to make the church look bad yeah i mean again it's like a total outsider and someone who's not really religious at all the idea of there being a kind of like celestial like space-faring version of christianity like i don't know i guess that's like Kind of would have been interesting. I, that's why I was kind of I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm okay, like, well, there's I've actually never ca- heard of anything like this before. Like, well, I've never heard this. If you kind of think about the 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 logical conclusion of some of these things, though, I don't know if I call it spacefaring because that sounds a little bit, you know, like well, I mean, sci-fi. I, I guess I mean as far as like the idea of like talking about the physical, like like again, like they mentioned at the beginning of this, like the different planets. Like I feel like when early, you know, like early man, they were they looking up at the stars and like, one oh, of, there's thousands of planets out there. One or, of the biggest problems with modern Christianity, the atheist lampoon, is they cannot justify logically ex nihilo, which is the creation of everything from nothing. And one of the biggest aspects of the revelatory cosmology of Joseph Smith was his revelation that the elements are eternal and that Jesus Christ organized the elements elements that the creation process was an organization right and so that's kind of cool thinking that okay the elements are eternal now i don't know if that makes jesus spacefaring (laughs) you know what i'm saying but like yeah yeah, yeah. i'm talking more about kind of like just like a like a a celestial realm not in the sense of like where like spirits and deities live but like in the physical sense of like the vacuum of yes. space above earth right like, like like the physical nature of our bodies and our existence as children people who are created in his image and that god has a corporeal body is a unique aspect of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints and the cosmology uh that was revealed to joseph smith and and a great part of the restoration which is one of the coolest aspects of our faith right does it turn us into astronauts no but you know what I'm saying? But is, is that what they're getting at? Like, I think space that's what they're trying. And the stars. Because again, like, I just feel like that's something as far as what I hear about other like Christian faiths and stuff, like the stars and planets. I feel like that doesn't come up very often, right? Uh, yeah. Oftentimes people don't speak about that. And some would say during the apostasy and at the great apostasy during medieval times, that was a result of the Catholic Church, you know, um, trying to suppress, you know, scientific advancements in uh in astronomy and so on and so forth but i don't know how much i buy into i mean i guess claims. you get back to like, what, like galileo and stuff right like i mean like there, there there was like debate at one point about like heliocentrism and all this stuff right but like yeah wasn't a lot of that kind of separate from the church like the church really like they didn't they had, the like, big bang theory was invented by a catholic priest so <laughs> i mean honestly <laughs> you know? that, that yeah. makes the most like that one thing i guess and this is a total aside but i i had a, I, the, ugh, I forgot who said it exactly but i remember one day i heard someone say this and it was like I forgot if I was in school. It was like some kind of setting where they were trying to be non-political and something came about like evolution and like creationism yeah. and stuff. And they're like, 
I don't get why like why couldn't God have just been behind it and then like you can just all shut up like exactly you're both right it it happened because God wanted it to and and by the way it's a huge <laughs> argument that I've seen from many scholars saying look we believe about a uh, about we believe in a God that operates on a fifth dimension outside of the fourth four that we know and he can literally control time he can control height width you know, he control time and space therefore if it took five million years who cares because that's God's time. So um, anyway, yeah, let's keep going here. Wow, this is crazy. How much just one second of misinformation can make you talk? Obedience to Mormon teaching and death and resurrection, he proved himself oh, worthy cute little and was elevated Whoa. to godhood as his father before. <laughs> that actually kind of looked like the fifth element where Mia jo- Jovovich gets like lifted <laughs> out of the, 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 the gizmo with the straps. Let's keep going. For him. Mormons believe that Elohim is their heavenly father and that he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet <laughs> near a mysterious star called Kola. It's like, once again, like, like that's what I mean. Like, this is like very, like, this is not like this, like, this is very much like there is a physical world of planets and stars oh. that exist above Earth. Like, is that something referenced and talk? Because I feel like just even like when the church was being oh. founded and stuff, right? Like, this was after Galileo and stuff. But I mean, we hadn't been to space. We kind of like had a rough idea of what space was, but... It it is feel kind of like fifties sixties like sci fi. Is yeah. there? I'm asking like, what is there mentions like at all of like he mentioned a particular asteroid or planet or something by name? Is Wait, that- oh no no, there is reference to Kolob. In fact, there's a beautiful hymn called "If You Could Hide to Kolob," right? Which, um, but what is what is it actually kind of in like in that context? Like, is it just like a like a floating planet or something in space? Gosh, man. Or is it like, again, is it like a, like a concept, like a spirit realm? I'm trying to remember. I, I want to give the official deck, uh, the, the official definition that shows up in the scriptures and things like that. But, um, I believe Joseph Smith said in the book of Abraham that it was the dwelling place of God. Right. Um, and, and this idea that it's a specific star in our solar system, that's inaccurate. I'm sure somebody probably found some journal of some pioneer in like 1870 that suspected it was that one next to Orion or whatever. And that's probably what um, what the anti-Mormons are lampooning and things like that. But we do not show up in church and then like pull out a star chart and say this is where God lives in in, in the in the star Colobus Magnus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, where uh, his awesome 70s animation uh, wives are there uh, making eternal babies. Uh, we talk about Christ, love, hope, charity, repentance, um, and uh, doing good to your fellow man. But I would like to think that these are all just bastardizations of the concept of eternal progression. But I've never been taught in my entire life going to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that there's a God with thousands of wives stuffed into a planet, uh, a mysterious star planet, he said, near Kolob. So I don't even know what planet he's referencing. I know that Kolob, I do believe is referenced. Uh, Joseph Smith said the place that God dwells would be called Kolob or something. But I'm dude, this is such like, well, it almost feels like, I guess like kind of like it. And again, like it's to me, it's probably less confusing to me because I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm kind of just yeah. like, I guess sure. But it, uh, it kind of feels like they kind of just try to like take a lot of like the more less physical elements and just kind of cram them all into a kind of like 70s sci-fi world you know what i mean because again like I, I can see from any faith you could start talking about well if they believe in worlds that exist above us maybe those are planets and it's like sure but yeah i've just never heard of any religion use like 
Aside from like Scientology. Yeah, I guess, okay, right? cool. like, so I check mean, this out. I just did a little fact check on ourselves mm-hmm. and I went to this really cool website that's called Mormoner, right? And they've got a whole entire page on Kolob. What is Kolob? Kolob is a celestial okay, body. Celestial mentioned. body. Yeah, it's a celestial body mentioned in the book of Abraham and in facsimile too. It is a star or planet, a quote, great and governing celestial object that is near unto God and nigh unto the throne of God, was used to tell relative time was associated with creation, but unfortunately you don't know what it is. Uh, it says it is unclear. The book of Abraham appears to describe it as both and historically latter saints and scriptural interpreters have used it both. The word star and planet describe Kolob is called where God lives it is unclear. The book of Abraham is also ambiguous on whether Kolob is. So basically it's it's Interesting. Um, I guess so there is like a celestial component to it. Well, yeah, but also a lot of people think that was there a symbolic component to it? Because like, for example, uh, the Holy Ghost is often ta- oftentimes called the great comforter, right? Uh, Christ is called the Lamb of God. Well, does it mean he's actually a lamb going, bah, ah, ah, no, or is that a symbolic of the sacrifice well, for God, that. right? So here it is, is, is Kolob just a symbol for Christ? Possibly some Latter Saint writers have drawn a symbolic connection between Kolob and Jesus Christ, so on and so forth. So anyway, here we are in the number one website trying to describe what well, then, some of these things mean. Hold, sorry, I don't want to uh-huh. interrupt you, but the, so is there any interest from the Mormon church in like, not like making a Mormon rocket ship and colonizing the moon is not what I mean. <laughs> but I mean, is the the kind of like continued like development as far as like different things being sent out and learning more about our galaxy and solar system? Is that of any particular Dude, interest? half of JPL is Mormon, dog. Okay, that, that, like, that, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like I imagine if there is in the faith somewhere the idea that there my is My like, father was the CFO of the unmanned droned and the space division of Northrop Grumman, the largest defense contractor in the world that literally... It was the company that built the lunar module that put men on the moon. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, I'm just saying it sounds like there is some legitimate interest in kind of seeing what's up there in the stars, right? Well, Mormons are super scientific. We love it. The Irene Science Center, when I was a physics major at BYU, um, has beautiful observatory and um, all kinds of really great stuff there. So, yeah, let's let's keep going. Let's see what these cats are saying. Man. I can't believe some people went inactive over this video. It's like, geez, what are you guys doing, man? That is pretty funny. Yeah, seriously. So, okay, so here we go. Boom shakalaka. We return to the Godmakers. Wait, wait, go back. Go back. Go back. Elohim no, no. is their heavenly father. Yeah, what? Scene transition. This is the wrong scene. Okay, yeah. Oh, I was just doing it for a second before oh. this one came up. But Sorry yeah, it's that. all good. No, it's all good. Reaction with media player. Here we go. Father, and that he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Kola. <laughs> but also, okay, God- so we looked up, again, I'm going to just get stuck on this part of uh-huh. but that is interesting. So we looked up, and again, Kolob is a real celestial, well, not, but you know what I mean, like it exists as a shore. But I wonder, what is the unnamed planet that he apparently lives on? Because again, that's, it is weird I to me. I think something this- that they made up. Because it is weird to me on this cartoon, like, I would imagine, and again, I could be wrong, it's totally an outsider perspective, but I would imagine, like, any faith, if it's like, well, we don't actually know who's the father of God, and we don't actually know which planet he's on, and I'd be like, well, why not? That's weird. Shouldn't we be asking those questions? Right? Like, it's kind of funny that it's like, they're just like, yeah, he's on some planet nearby the one you know about. It's like, what? Like, can yeah. we know which one it is? I don't know. I, that just kind of stuck out to me as bizarre. Sorry. I, yeah, so I don't know what this unnamed planet near Kolob is. Uh, where uh, Elohim is having his thousands of wives. Okay, that is not Mormon doctrine. But um, I guess I could see how somebody could bastardize and conflate like 15 different Mormon doctrines to get that. But yeah, that's not the way it goes. But it's pretty funny. 
and the cartoon is cool. You know, so here we go. Out of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex <laughs> produced billions of spirit children to decide their destiny. The head of the Mormon gods called a great heavenly council meeting. Both of Elohim's eldest sons were there. Lucifer and his brother Jesus. Wow, they just kind of sit there staring and blinking. Well, hold on. This animator kind of did a lot of staring and blinking. And this could just be me not understanding the background of Christianity at all. Okay. Was Jesus like in the picture at the, from the very beginning with Satan? I thought he came later. Or was he always there? Um, that's a good question. Like the, the Council of the Gods is a very um, a very controversial part of the Old Testament. There's a lot of Protestants and evangelicals don't like it or ignore it or just choose not to contend with it. But all of the translations in the Old Testament represent represent sorry reference gods in the plural. Okay. okay, and our oldest manuscripts of it talk about the gods in the plural. Okay, and that a great council was um, was convened. Okay, now the Mormon Church believes that all of us were there. That we in the pre-existence um, as intelligences, we were present. Uh, uh, we were present. We were there, and uh, Jesus Christ's plan uh, was proposed. Satan's plan was proposed. Those that choose to go with Jesus Christ and elect, having agency and trials and uh, having life being a time of probation where we learn um, all of these deep moral lessons came to earth those that rebelled against god as the book of revelation says and followed the great dragon or who satan um is came down and are those those who would tempt us the evil spirits that would would tempt us right this is actually a pretty common theme uh in many christian religions and um we don't know how far back our spirits go so who could say who came first between uh, uh, Jesus and Satan if their intelligences were created at some time uh, later. But the nature of evil and the beginning of evil has always been a philosophical question. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if they all just sat there staring around a table like this video <laughs> suggests. Well, I'm sorry, I, just, again, like, I could just be getting the story wrong. I just yeah. thought Jesus came along later in the story, right? Or was he always there from the foot from the beginning? Uh, in the book of Revelation, they're presented simultaneously, I believe, if I'm remembering scripture correctly. But gosh, it's been so long well, since you, I, I mean, read the book. No more than me. I, I just I don't know. Yeah. I, I just thought it was like later on, Jesus as a character kind of was introduced. But I, I didn't realize he was kind of like front and center. Yeah. Cool. Here we go. A plan was presented to build planet Earth where the spirit children would be sent to take on mortal bodies yeah. and learn good from evil. <laughs> Lucifer stood and made his bid for becoming savior of this new world. Wanting the glory for himself, he planned to force everyone to become gods. Opposing the idea, the Mormon Jesus suggested giving man his freedom of choice. I love it how they say the Mormon Jesus. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Is that like a is that just them being like your version of Jesus and the real one so they're going to like air quotes the Mormon Jesus or is there like an yeah. like a concept okay. Yeah, it's been a pretty common thing that Christians try and say that Mormons aren't Christians. And I would assume that they're just kind of continuing in this vein. Um, I still think this animation is really kind of fun. Like it's like super 70s. Like this reminds me of like the 60s and 70s animation that was super fluidized and all hand drawn in 2D. I love it. As on other planets, the vote that followed approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus who would become savior of the planet Earth. Enraged, 
Lucifer cunningly convinced one. <laughs> By the way, I just have to point out here. Okay. I just totally have to point out here that if you look at, um, if you look at uh, the uh, uh, enraged, this right here looks exactly like the two pillars in King Kong. <laughs> you know, like they're about to sacrifice Naomi Watts at the pillars in King Kong. It's yeah. pretty funny. You know, let's keep going. Revolt. Thus, Lucifer became the devil and his followers the demons. Yeah. <laughs> Sent to this world. They would forever be denied bodies of flesh and bone. Those who remained neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. This is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. That real? The spirit. <laughs> is that legit? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so cringe. Okay, no. Okay. No. The short answer is no. <laughs> Okay, the long answer is Joseph Smith baptized everybody and was a notorious abolitionist. It was part of the reason why politically he was so controversial. Many people don't realize this, but he was the first presidential candidate assassinated in America. Okay, he was running for president on an abolitionist platform and he baptized many black members of the church. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, after while all of the evangelicals were persecuting um, the early church members, okay, uh, and they were driven west out of the Utah Territory. By the time Brigham Young uh, took over, it was right before the Civil War started in the 1840s and 50s, right? And the Utah Territory, when it was becoming a state, had to choose, are you going to be a slave state or an abolitionist state? Famously, Brigham Young vacillated six or seven times in between the two. And then... Um, Ultimately, what's called the Curse of Cain doctrine that was basically invented in the South by uh, Baptists and evangelicals, the equivalent of then evangelicals come, as Quaker Well says this, evangelicals come from uh, Southern Baptists, which come from we don't want to give up our slaves, which is basically from what I understand the entomology between the first and the second Baptist church. Right. So anyway, um, there was uh, a very unfortunate and a cruel doctrine called the Curse of Cain doctrine that was developed in the South that was imported by some uh, missionaries who were trying to explain why um uh, Brigham Young had possibly made the political decision of not allowing the state of Deseret to be an abolitionist state. And so unfortunately, for over 100 years, um, even though Joseph Smith baptized them and gave them the priesthood, black members of the church were restricted from having the priesthood. But that um, that blessing was restored in 1978 by Spencer W. Kimball. And all of the anti-Mormons say like, oh, yeah, well, we passed the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Why did you have to wait until 1978? You know, and they try and hold that 14 year difference uh, against the church. But um, the church wholesale rejects old folk folklore. You can find old, super cringy videos of church uh, leaders in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s trying to justify why they didn't give blacks the priesthood. But they're all stretches that the church rejects. They have rejected for a really long time. But all of the anti-Mormons keep trying to shove in their face. And I always find it hilarious because I would love to know what Ed Decker's position on race relations was in the 60s and what his church's formal position was. Because let me tell you, while Mormons were sitting there not allowing uh, African-Americans to have uh, the priesthood, 
priesthood, there was like other churches that were legit saying they're subhuman. <laughs> you know, well, so it's like I like geez. it. That's why I was just kind of curious. It seemed like kind of like a weird and weird and the big, distinction in general. But I guess you know. and, and this is I'm only I'm only talking to these cats because they're coming from an interdenominational point. What people forget is that secular uh, it, secularism birthed racism. Science birthed racism. It was a science scientist in air quotes named Blumenbach, who was one of the first people to suggest that the races were races were actually disparate in their species and their moral value and that that white people were superior and so on and so forth. Like racism has been propagated and perfected by godless secularists more than any other church out there. So anyway, I, I get passionate about this. I get passionate about this. So anyway, let's keep going that fought most valiantly against Lucifer would be born into Mormon families on planet Earth. These would be the lighter-skinned people, or white and delightsome, <laughs> as the Book of Mormon describes them. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim and one of his goddess wives came to Earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, Elohim, hey, in human cool. form once again, journeyed to planet Earth from Starbase Kolon have physical relations <laughs> from starbase kolom okay yeah so that, <laughs> is is that is that kind of like so like like you, like you said so like it is like the idea of a celestial body the gods inhabits real but it's not like the starbase right I, i've never heard of starbase kolom <laughs> dude that this is cool mormonism is literally just getting transferred into a star trek episode well, it's, this, it's it's kind of I guess you know the 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 kind of uniquely American aspect of it, right? If you you kind of have like a more uniquely American religion going through the kind of like space race of the sixties. I thought it was funny the kind of Red Scare propaganda at the beginning of this video, where they're like, really? oh, yeah, remember they said that the Mormons want to uh, basically supplant the government and then take everyone's property and redistribute it." Oh, I don't remember that part. Oh, yeah. I already forgot. But it. I just, in the context of the, of the Cold War, it's kind of funny where it's like, yeah. like oh, yeah, and they're communists. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, here we go. Let's finish this bad boy up. Let's watch it. With the Virgin Mary in order to provide Jesus with a physical body. Wow. Look at those divine eyes. One of the Mormon <laughs> apostles taught that after Jesus Christ grew to manhood, he took at least three wives. Mary? What? Martha and Mary yeah, Magdalene. Also, uh, this was I, this was interesting, or this is interesting. Um, what is that? Was that like a thing? Uh, M- Mary, did Mary, Jesus have like multiple wives and kids? The yeah, there's no there's no official church doctrine on on a polygamous Jesus, especially not with Mary and Martha. I think Mary and Martha, I believe, were sisters that were from the city of Bethany, and they were there at the crucifixion. I mean, we revere Mary. She was the Virgin Mary, the chosen vessel of the Lord. She, you know, when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and says, you know, you're going to bear the Christ. She said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. So we have a lot of respect for her. Um, But yeah, this idea that Mary, Mary and Martha were uh, they said one Mormon apostle taught this. Like, I, I don't know. Was that some guy around a campfire trying to. Was he misquoted by some? I, I don't know. I have no idea where this is coming from. Like, I don't know. Where that's coming from. So that'd be fun to look up, though. Five, the Mormon Jesus supposedly fathered a number of children before he was crucified. Mormon founder Joseph Smith is supposedly one of his descendants. According to the Book of so Mormon... So is that legit, though? Jesus had kids and Joseph Smith was a descendant of one? Is that legit or is that also kind of... 
So I can't speak to the Joseph Smith being a descendant of Jesus. Well, I guess thing. as far as if that's a like actual real kind of like part of the story or part of like the, the, I, the, the, again, like, kind of... I, I would like to think what they're referencing is there is a continued discussion that ultimately ended up being the premise of angels and demons and the, the Da Vinci Code, right? About whether or not Jesus had physical descendants, right? Because we know he had a physical body on this earth. And he was specifically called rabbi by the Sanhedrin, which was a title that you could not be given unless you were a married man over the age of 30. And so the insinuation is that, okay, if you're a married man over the age of 30 in ancient Israel, what did you probably have? Children. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I I mean, some people have made entire cool films with Tom Hanks about this. All right. But there's no official Mormon position about Joseph Smith being uh, the the, the, what, what do they call it in the Da Vinci Code? I forgot. The the blood of Jesus. Yeah. But also, okay, so that that that. I don't know. I I, I, this is a kind of fascinating video then, because it is. I, I will say it's like a kind of like. Again, like outsider layperson who knows nothing uh-huh. about any of this stuff, kind of just fed off like this. I I believe it. I buy it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know some <laughs> some branch of Christianity thinks Jesus had three wives and he had kids or whatever. <laughs> but I think it's kind of funny. You just kind of being like dumbfounded, like what? No, no. Because yeah. like that's it, the way it's, like they deliver it so matter of factly. You know, it's like oh yeah, yeah. this happened and that happened. from Starbase Cola. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Elohim came to Mary and. The truth is, oftentimes people have asked, and Catholics have wrestled with this for a very long time, how do you explain the pregnancy of the Virgin Mary if she was indeed a virgin, right? And that's led to the logical conclusion of the Immaculate Conception, and that also means that Virgin, if she, uh, sorry, the Virgin Mary, if she was going to be uh, the pure and chosen vessel of the Lord, she would have to be perfect, and that's the basis of the Immaculate Conception. Yeah, People have philosophized over this for years and things like that, but trust me, there is no official Mormon dog about Joseph, uh, not Joseph Smith, but Jesus Christ having some kind of polygamous relationship with Mary and Martha from Bethany and having sired multiple children that um, now exist into uh, the 21st century. Now, who knows? Is that possible? Sure. Why not? Okay. But um, are we going to make a book about it? Yeah, sure. Why not? But uh, is it ever taught this way in church? Never heard that before. Let's keep going. After his resurrection, Jesus came to the Americas to preach to the Indians, who the Mormons believe are really Israelites. Thus, the Jesus of Mormonism established his church in the Americas as he had in Palestine. Yeah. I love this Foley sound. It is awesome. <laughs> yeah, the kind of cool, actually, for this time. Yeah. By the year 421 A.D., the dark-skinned Indian Israelites, known as Lamanites, had destroyed all of the white Nephites in a number of great battles. The Nephites' records were supposedly written on golden plates and buried by Moroni the last living Nephite in the hill Camorra. So that, that part's legit, right? I mean, as far as like, that's the like the actual kind of like closer to the story, right? The uh, Yeah, Moroni burying the plates in order to be discovered by Joseph Smith who translated them by the gift and power of God. Yeah, that's totally real. I was just totally digging this like, just like Spartan 300 outfit that they well, put him in. And that was, that was the question. <laughs> it, is that artistic license or is there like descriptions of what the people looked like in the Americas at the time? Okay, so everybody's getting it wrong. 
Like there was actually officially commissioned Mormon paintings of like what Moroni looked like. And we joke in the church about Nephi having armbands because it seemed like whenever they wanted to try and make somebody like exotic and ancient American, they would just put armbands on him. And in the 50s and 60s, when they commissioned a bunch of the artwork, there was a lot of people that were just guessing what Mayans or Aztecs or Toltecs would have looked like in real life, because archaeologically, it's it's very difficult to tell because much of it's difficult to tell what somebody in the 1600s look like because we don't have photographs of them and cotton clothing well, would rot, yeah, you know, it. so we have jewelry. We have some footwear. That's usually what sticks around. But what clothing look like, it's a little bit difficult to tell. It seems like they took some creative license here and made them look kind of like Leonidas in 300. OK, cool. but so that's not like the kind of like general traditional view of what they looked like. Nah, this to me looks like what the animator is just pulling off. OK. Fourteen hundred years later. A young treasure seeker named Joseph Smith, oh who was known for his tall tales, claimed to have uncovered these <laughs> same gold plates near his home in upstate New York. might as well have called him a grave-robbing liar. You know? <laughs> What'd you say? So they might as well have just called him a grave-robbing liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But by the way, this is what we always laugh about in, this is what we always laugh about in the church, bro. We say that anti-Mormons can never pick a lane. When it's convenient, they want to make him into a bumbling buffoon that was just stumbling through life and doing all kinds of stupid, idiotic things. But then when it's necessary, they turn him into an evil genius who is pulling off only the most complex of cons. Right. So, yeah. And this one, they want to call him a bumbling idiot. Let's see if later on they call him an evil genius. He is now honored by Mormons as a prophet because he claimed to have had visions from the spirit world in which he was commanded to organize the Mormon church because all Christian creeds were an abomination. It was Joseph Smith who originated most of these peculiar doctrines, which millions today believe to be true. I love it, the peculiar doctrines. It's pretty awesome if you uh, ask me. But like, I'm assuming that is legit as far as like he, he wrote those books and those are the books you read, right? Um, well, translated them, yeah, I was fixing my screen there, so I didn't hear the exact terminology, but that's our canon right there, yeah, is I, the I Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, uh, the Book of Mormon, but they're missing a big one, ostensibly the most important one, because it is the only story of Jesus Christ in ancient Israel, and that's the Bible. They're missing the Bible. <laughs> we have the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Doctrine and Covenants, but they're missing the Bible. And if there's any proof, you know what I'm saying? It's my quad here. Uh, the scriptures, there it is, right underneath there. Um, we ca oftentimes call the scriptures in our faith the quad because it's the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the uh, Doctrine and Covenants. So, yeah, this is a misrepresentation that Ed Decker, who was supposedly a member of the church for 19 years, should have easily gotten correct and didn't. So, here we go. By maintaining a rigid code of financial and moral requirements and through performing secret temple rituals for themselves and the dead, the Latter-day Saints hope to prove their worthiness and thus become gods. The Mormons teach that I mean, everyone rituals must... Rituals for the dead is a very interesting way. I'm assuming they're referring to funerals. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. That's ooh, interesting. That was your interpretation, huh? Yeah, I mean, in in a sense, it's a ritual for the dead, is it not? Uh, I guess a funeral, well, there's no real ritual. It's a celebration of life. Yeah, there's nothing we do ritualistically to the body, but I could see why 
the terminology would lead you to think that it was like a memorial service. Yeah. No, um, baptisms for the dead is actually a beautiful practice in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was also practiced amongst early Christians, okay? And it's referenced in the book of Corinthians in the Bible by Paul, where he says, else, what do they do those who are baptized for the dead? And it's where um, a living person can go and can seek baptism in the temple and they're baptized on behalf of an ancestor who in heaven has a chance to accept or reject that baptism um, under the assumption that the angels there are teaching them the gospel um, and giving them opportunities they may not have had in this life to learn the gospel. And if they accept it, then that baptism that we perform here on earth is good for them as part of their eternal uh, progression and blesses us here on this earth as part of our eternal progression. Everybody progresses together. And it's one big, giant, beautiful family affair because aren't we all brothers and sisters in God's okay, wait, way? So, but, so they would, would they baptize a living person as so proxy? That, yeah. Okay, so they weren't they weren't digging up corpses. No. Okay. No, but that, yeah, I could see why you might think it was a funeral. Or yeah, that's kind of an odd term. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. got to figure that one out, yeah, right? That was, cause that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, maybe like a funeral. Well, also like you know, there's people that there is like different. There's different kind of like not. I guess not really in Christian religions, but I mean there is like you know like different rituals around like burial services. Like the yeah. most extreme is like the sky burials, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like there. Whoa, is, what are the sky burials? I forgot where exactly in the world, but there's somewhere in the world where they like put people up on these like tall platforms, like really high in the air, and they let the birds kind of just pick away at them. Oh, gnarly. Is that like the Indian burial grounds they used to have where they would elevate the bodies and then, yeah, they could just kind of decompose? I don't know there? exactly. I, it just larger is just the, the concept yeah. of a kind of like a ritual around a funeral or like the kind of like passing them dude, off. Dude, have you the ever heard life. of wife burning? Well, in a way, yes. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. I just learned about that That's, today. That was, that was probably a less positive. Uh, ritual for the dead. I guess yeah, I do. Jeez, man, that is brutal. Okay, cool. So here we go, man. Let's see what they got to say. We're almost done. Stand at the final judgment before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim. Okay. They really like the blink. Just Those to remind Mormons you that they're Mormons who were sealed in the eternal marriage ceremony expect to become polygamous gods in the celestial kingdom, rule over other planets, and spawn new families throughout eternity. Those that are sealed in the... I don't even know... What did it say? We expect to become... Po- uh, polygamous gods that rule over planets in like the celestial... That's what I mean. Like, dude, This, this, this video, is awesome. This video makes it seem like the celestial world is like very important to the Mormon faith. Is it really <laughs> not at all? Well, the... The, the I, celestial kingdom is not SpaceX. It's the highest level of heaven. Okay, so, so like, like, the, like the heavens, not so much like like again like the like the Andromeda galaxy, right? It's yeah, like, they've turned the heavens into like Men in Black's headquarters, yeah. mixed with a 1950s Star Trek episode starring William Shatner. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, no, we believe the celestial kingdom is referencing the highest uh, level of uh, the kingdom of heaven. Right. And the the reward for everybody who obeys the, the principles and ordinances of the gospel and is rewarded for their good behavior here on earth. Right. So it's literally just the highest tier of heaven. So the fact that it's represented as star, what do they call it? Star base something. Star base collab. Yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. <laughs> you know, OK, wow. Here we go. The Mormons thank God for Joseph Smith, who claimed that he had done more for us than any other man 
including Jesus Christ. Okay, that's an absolute misquote. In the beginning of the Book of Mormon, they, we give a lot of reference to Joseph Smith because he did restore the gospel. And there was another prophet of the Restoration that said Joseph Smith has done more for um, humanity through the restoration of the gospel, save any man, save Jesus Christ himself. By saying he is the greatest of modern prophets is not saying that he's better than Jesus. He specifically said he uh, is lesser. That that is an that is an absolutely cynical and bad misquote right there. So the Mormons believe that he died as a martyr, shed his blood for us, so that we too may become gods. He was killed, right? Yeah. Are they insinuating that the atonement, the Mormons claim that the atonement comes well, not I mean, through Jesus, but through Joseph Smith? Is that what they're saying? Well, I just, I, I thought you said he, earlier he was like murdered for being a Mormon, correct? Yes. And I think it's kind of funny, like they view him as a martyr. It's like, well, I mean, people who are killed for believing in something they yeah. believe in generally are viewed as <laughs> martyrs by the people who believe the same thing as them, right? Like... It's kind of weird. That's why I was almost like, I'm like, well, how did he die? Did he get like, did he get like sick? I mean, like, what do you mean they like they view him as like, dude, he's still here, bro. It's yeah. a conspiracy. Well, it's man. like it's like he kicked by a horse or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was actually murdered by the Carthage Greys, uh, a mob of uh, of Masons and the Carthage Greys and the mob. There was a big conglomerate of people that um, conspired against him and killed him. Just like. You know, he, he paid for the price of his beliefs in blood, which uh, demands respect. Ain't nobody else doing that. One would say it makes him a martyr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I just just because I was like, I remember you bringing that up earlier. And the way that the way they, they kind of described it, I was like, wait a minute. What actually but, happened to this guy? <laughs> That's funny. All right, cool. So here we go. We're, I think this is it, right? Okay, that's it. Cool. All right, cool. There we go. Wow, rock on. Okay, so that was the end of the cartoon. Bro, what did you think, man? What did you think? Well, I guess for me, it's kind of weird because I don't really... Again, I'm not like... It's not like I am like a Christian or anything. I kind of know a little bit about the like rough background of... But again, like knowing what was, you know, farce and they just pulled out of nowhere and what was kind of like weird interpretations and what was more or less just legit, that was that was interesting. Although I do have to say, if there is no uh, Space Jesus... Um, religion out there i mean every year we get closer to the stars right <laughs> just saying someone someone eventually one day is gonna you know bring god to the bring god to space is bound to happen eventually dude you know jesus on real. mars well, i guess according to this you guys already believe in jesus on mars yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the unnamed planet bro maybe that's the unnamed planet dude that's funny so um, anyway, dude, wow. Let us know what you guys think, man. Let us know what you guys think. Tell us where we go wrong here. It looks like there's a second half, Cody. Maybe we'll have to do a, a follow-up to this, a part yeah. two. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. there's a second half to this. So let's go scan it. We'll check it out. Come back and see it. But overall, what did you think? Just what were your thoughts of this before we uh, get out of here, man? What would you think? Well, I mean, like I said, it was, it was interesting to me because, again, I don't really know the background or anything of this. Um, as far as like the cartoon itself like i said it's kind of funny again if mormons aren't filling that niche of like the space christian religion someone's gonna have to eventually yeah <laughs> isn't that kind of like the scientologist take on things no no because I, I guess the way i look at it more i'm thinking of the sense that because you know for a very they long, did take the cross and then make it their own kind of thing no but i mean more the fact that it's like for a long time you know like worship of like the kind of like what like the abrahamic religions right yeah it's viewed very much like a terrestrial thing right like 
people 2,000 years ago weren't imagining, oh, if I go to the moon, is God still with me? But just an idea of like bringing, like, you know, like when you get further away from the earth, does that bring you further away from God or closer? Someone's going to start filling in those blanks somewhere the closer we get to space. (laughs) Because right now it's like irrelevant. Who cares? No one goes to space. 30 years from now, if people are routinely going to space, someone... I mean, this 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 cartoon clearly found said there's a void there. I guess yeah. they 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 figured you Mormons were already serving that void, but apparently you're not. So someone's gonna have to. So so here's my here's my only question: How did this jive? You've known me for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know you're one of my dear friends over a long period of time. You know you you've known what I'm like. You've known my family forever, and and we've often talked in not in insane depth about my faith, but enough that I'd feel like you'd be more well versed than the average layman, right? Did how do you how do you feel this movie was batting? If you were just to watch it, what percent of it percentage of it would you think like oh, okay? I don't know if I bite that off, or what percentage of it would you think like oh I would have taken it hook bait and sinker? Uh, oh, like if I watched this cold, without, I mean I would have believed most of it. Cause, cause, like, here's the thing. As somebody, like I said, like I don't go to like church. I'm not like a religious person. I don't like have any like faith. Like, uh-huh. and I'm not saying this in a rude way. There is like a degree of like I'd believe almost anything from someone like <laughs> like, like like you know what I mean. Like if they like almost anything. But like, that's why like I was like you'll notice I wasn't like very like I was just like uh-huh. genuinely curious. I'm like oh like that's kind of an interesting wrinkle. I never thought of like there being like god in space kind of stuff right that's why i was like yeah. to me i was just kind of like curious because again like there, there's really I, don't know, I, I couldn't imagine anything that somebody claimed a, a a religious group people believed in that would like ultimately surprise me because that's kind of part of it right it's like a belief and yeah, and in a way you'll you'll make it make sense like not like make it make sense right but it's like you said like you obviously don't take the most uncharitable goofy stretched interpretation of it you've taken interpretation of it as much more coherent and like a formed idea Right. So I don't know. Again, like I will say this. I will say this because I I do think I got big time vibes. This is a video made to show Christians to make them not like Mormons. Because again, as me as an outsider, I'm like, I don't know, like space Jesus and stuff's kind of cool, right? Like, like that that wouldn't have like turned me off of Mormonism necessarily. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, "Ah, I'll give this a shot. But I I, I guess that's it. It, To me, it kind of I got more big vibes. Like this is meant for people that are Christians to make them hate Mormons less than people who are agnostic i guess or just not super really Interesting. involved well in it worked for a lot of people a lot of people left the church over this film Crazy back in the man. day yeah that's, i know that's like one of those things where it's almost like obviously you want them you welcome them back right but it's kind of like really like it'd be like if somebody you know it's like if like some like random person like tells your spouse you're cheating on you and they divorce you and they find out later that person was lying it's like <laughs> oh really they were you, you didn't believe me then but now you know what i mean like at a certain point it's like really that was it you watch some documentary cartoon and we're just like, all right, I give him my faith. Like, ah. <laughs> I, I would, I like as some, I would just feel like that's somebody who was looking for, they were looking for the exit before they watched that. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that they deeply held a faith and belief and they watched some cartoon for 30 minutes and go, wow, I'm an idiot. I don't believe this anymore. <laughs> you know? Oh man. You just savagely stepped on a cultural uh, landmine in our faith uh, called lazy learning, man. And it's it's actually really funny. So anyway, OK, cool. Well, let us know what you guys think, man. Uh, were you familiar with the Temple of the God Makers when it came out first run? Or was this your first experience with it? And what did you think? Just let us know. And uh, if you want to see more, make sure you check us out on wardradio.com. Right now, tell me who you are. Get in the car. Right now.
Hey guys, Cardinalis here again. Thank you so much for watching. If you haven't had a chance yet, please like this video. If you could share it with your friends, that will help us out a little bit as well. And if you haven't had a chance yet to subscribe to our channel, please make sure you're subscribed and that you have pressed that alert button so you get all of our live streams and all of our standard videos. Also, if you haven't had a chance to contribute to the show, please consider joining the channel or giving us a contribution through Venmo or the Cash app. We can be found on both those platforms. Also, we've got a really great community that follows us here at Ward Radio and a Discord for that community. If you check out our website and go to wardradio.com, you can see links to the Discord there where you can also join our email newsletter. Uh, we don't spam, but every once in a while we'll send out a newsletter. Also, we're going to have a couple of other videos coming up here, probably right about here and the one right about here that you can check out. And just because we happen to cover it in this video, um, if you want to send us some of your Super 8, 16 or 35 millimeter films to be scanned, you got some kind of cool genealogy or film project, hey, we'll help you out with that one too. Either way, thanks for hanging out with us. And for this and more, as always, please make sure you check us out on wardradio.com.